Hey, this is Brandon Sanderson, author of Mistborn. Welcome to the Legendarium. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking to myself, I know kids that used to torture puppies. This is not a healthy human being here. All right, welcome back to the Legendarium Podcast, episode 102. It's wow. still killing me that we're in it's triple hard. digits. Yeah, this is That's really cool. Awesome. Uh, today, The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson, sections one and two. We're splitting this book up into three parts for the podcast. So today is section one and two. Uh, presumably next week will be three and four. And then after that, next, section... Next week. I'm, I'm hoping. Todd, okay. you just okay. read more. <laughs> Uh, and section five is actually really short, uh, yeah. but I am I am assured by one Ryan James Bruckman that we will have plenty to talk about with just section five plus the book as a whole. So let's just say that I mean the last two chapters you we could discuss just those two for a while, but we're the plan is that the third episode will wrap up the last little bit, and then we will have an open discussion about anything in the book, and we'll have a few more guests with us, so we'll have some additional viewpoints of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, who didn't get to chime in in parts one and two, three yeah. and four. So we'll get a little more to viewpoints there. Should so I, if you've gotten tired of seeing our faces, don't worry. We'll give you some new ones to look at. There'll <laughs> be some prettier faces. Should we? Uh, <laughs> let's do some intros. Um, I, Like I said, I am Craig Hanks, your wonderful and lovely, lovely host. And Arguably. You use that word. I don't think you <laughs> <It> means ways. <laughs> <laughs> Now, he's as sharp as a bed of tacks and probably just as much fun to lay with. It's Todd Wente. I'm going to argue that one later. (laughs) (laughs) Now, he trains for a lot of races because he knows that one day I'm going to chase him down and beat him to death. It's Ken Johnson. <laughs> You're going to try. <laughs> Ken, I, uh, I, save, I save my dark stuff for you, buddy. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm glad. It I'm goes really with glad. The, it goes and with I, the cold, dark void where my heart used to be. <laughs> and I have no doubt that he is smarter than you. If you're really, truly stupid, it's Ryan Bruckman. (laughs) And even then, I'll give you a good run for your money. (laughs) All right. Now, before we get into the book stuff, uh, as usual, just a little bit of housekeeping. I want uh, everybody to know that we are on patreon.com slash legendarium where you can donate to the podcast. We would much appreciate any help that you can give us. Patreon.com slash legendarium. I'm going to forego the huge pitch that I've done for the last few episodes because I do make that pitch on the website. So if you go to patreon.com slash legendarium, you can hear me beg, or really you can, I mean, you'll hear my voice in your head, I'm sure. It's begging. It's beautiful too. It's beautiful. Uh, And you can hear us promise to cut Craig's hair if you get us to. Oh, that's in the video. I haven't put that up there. Uh, It's coming. It's It's coming. coming. All right. Now, second, we are doing a giveaway. I'll put this up on Facebook. I'll put it on Twitter. I'll put it on Reddit. I'll put it everywhere. We are giving away a signed hardcover Way of Kings, signed by Brandon Sanderson. Thank you very much. Not oh, just so us. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> Like the time we signed your copy because we thought it was the one we were giving <laughs> that, away. That was hilarious. <laughs> uh, I, I said, hey, guys, you need to sign this because we're going to send this off to a fan. And they signed my copy <laughs> not the fans copy boy with our face red and they lowered lower the value of my copy of the book by i don't know how many yeah cents currently value currently lowered you never know i mean no, if we true. get to 355 episodes now i, I want to run the the rules of the giveaway by everybody it's real simple we have three episodes concerning the way of kings there will be three words of the day 
that word will come up in short order. We'll do that a few minutes uh, here into the discussion. So listen for the word of the day. You'll get three of those. And then at the end of that, you need to get on social media and shout those words at us in whatever way you choose. You can do it by Facebook. You can do it by Twitter. I think that would be my preferred. Twitter would be best. Yep. Uh, but uh, any way you choose, if you can prove that you listen to this podcast, by golly, you're entered. So uh, in a few minutes, we'll get to that word of the day. Now, for the content of the podcast, because we are here to talk about the Way of Kings, not just giving away a copy of the Way of Kings, uh, this one is a little bit different. When we started the Legendarian podcast, when we did the Lord of the Rings, I was... I was the master, and Ryan was but a learner. And we did The Lord of the Rings, which I'd read a million times, and then we did Mistborn, which the two of you had never read, but Ryan and I had read. Correct. And uh, it started us down a dark spiral. Now, it's a little different, because Ryan is the expert on this book, and so he's going to walk us through this discussion. Take it away, what, homeboy. Is this going to go like the David Eddings ones went? Probably. Okay. Prepare awesome. to go around in circles for about <laughs> 35, 40 minutes. For those of you who joined us on those, you know what you're in. Uh. All right, we're going to get started with The Way of Kings. Now, uh, as any good episode begins, we should start with a recap. Since you've already been insulted, there's no point in going through that again. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to focus only on parts one and two, so my recap is going to start from the beginning and go to the ends of part two. Now, gentlemen, please help me because uh, my recap is not entirely finished because I'm an excellent procrastinator. (laughs) So at a certain point when this video for you to watch later. So we got to chapter three, and we're going to have to fill in the rest. (laughs) Pretty much so. Yeah, at a certain point when this starts to sound less polished and less like I'm reading. We'll give you a couple of pointers there. All right. So the Way of Kings begins with a prelude. It takes place 4,500 years before the main events of the book. We discover two warriors at the end of an epic battle discussing the end of something called the Oath Pact. I completely forgot about this. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've been waiting. Oh, okay, I'm, anyway, keep going. The Oath Pact is about to be broken when nine of the ten of their group have refused to return to their current living situation or whatever it is. <laughs> Very polished, I know. <laughs> uh, when one asks what they will tell uh, mankind, the response is that they've won. Good who, Lord, are you going to read us the whole book? Probably. Oh, God. Who knows? Maybe this time it will be true. They leave their blades behind and go their own ways. Jump ahead 4,500 years and we're now part of a party celebration of a peace treaty signing that's about to be broken when an assassin in white kills the king. This murder will lead to a great war between the Parshendi and Alethi, with the Alethi driven to fulfill a vengeance pact of their murdered king, Gavilar. And this is everything before we get to chapter one. Oh my gosh. Right? (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah. So now we get to chapter one and we start to follow our three main protagonists, uh, Kaladin, Shallan, and Dalinar. Now, Kaladin is introduced as a Spearman squad leader who in the very next chapter is now a slave um, after the arrival of a Shardbearer in his previous battle. Kaladin uh, deals with a lot of inner demons and ends up at the Shattered Plains as a bridgeman, uh, trying to figure out what that's going to be like carrying bridges in this war. Discovering that that is a hell reserved for the worst of the worst of the worst. Mm-hmm. Shallan is on a mission to become the ward of a one Yasna Kolin, one of the great scholars and heretics, who is on a current on a mission that we don't know much about right now, but her goal is not to become a scholar. It is to steal a Fabriel from her to help Shal- save her family. Shalon's goal is to Shalon's steal goal. the yeah. Fabriel. Shalon's goal is to steal the Fabriel to help save her family. And a little bit, we get to know Dalinar Colin, who is the brother of the murdered king and who is the uncle of the current king, El Hokar. And Dalinar is trying to figure out 
something that is going on in his mind. He's getting visions. Talking during, about struggling with inner demons. Yep. He's yeah. got visions, and he's trying to lead uh, uh, people who have gotten away from the Alethi codes of, of war. And and we finish section two when, his, when he decides he might very well be going mad, and so he decides to abdicate, abdicate his, his throne. throne. Guilt-ridden and going That's crazy. parts one and two. <laughs> I know that feels like it could be a whole story in and of itself, but that's parts one and two. We didn't even uh, yeah. talk about light eyes and dark eyes. That's... Yeah, uh, there's, there's a lot to talk listen, about. There's there, a whole podcast. To get it's to. a big book. Significant amounts of punching that we will discuss. Ken is getting ready. Do you see his position? Do you see his position? I, I just so I, I do want to point out real quick. Uh, I, I think I failed to mention we are live broadcasting this on Facebook. So if you get a little confused when Todd says, "Do you see?" No, you don't see unless you're watching on Facebook. Thanks for joining us. But you could be. Thank so. you. All right, so gentlemen, I decided to get us started and try and get our minds cooking by doing a rapid fire question to get the things out of the way that are just the easy questions, right? The easy questions, he says. Right, the easy questions. So, rapid fire round, keep your answers to one or two sentences, just very simple. First of all, your favorite character so far in the book, starting with Ken. It's hard to decide between Kaladin and Dalinar, but I, or, uh, but I think it's Dalinar. Okay, Todd? Um, I felt like they, they were actually introduced in pairs. Fast, Todd, um, fast. The more you interrupt me, the slower it gets. Um, and and so as much as I as much as I'm fascinated by Kaladin and Syl, I think uh, Dalinar with Adolin His are son. my my favorite pair that I've seen introduced so far. Shalon, hands down. Shalon. Yeah, during sections one and two so far, it's been I, I've been interested by the Kaladin storyline, but every time I'm reading him or Dalinar, as much as I love it, I just want to go back to Shalon. Well, then you're That's definitely funny. going to enjoy the next book. I am exactly the opposite. Every time uh-huh. I get to Shalon, I'm like, get me back to Dalinar. Yeah, Ken doesn't like women. No, not <laughs> at all. <laughs> all right, rapid Ken fire doesn't question like anything two. that doesn't okay. result in punching. Uh, question number two. Uh, Jared, we'll see. Uh, he asked if we were going to be including the interludes between the, the sections. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll see God. if we can get to right? Oh, I hope we've so, got, because... We've got so much to talk about. I wonder if we could pull it off. But we'll, we'll see. It yeah. might end up being uh, added on... At the end, afterwards, the pure lake. Because hey, who's on Team Zeth? Um, that's yeah. I was I've say I've got some. One. I've got an interesting. My favorite character to answer the question. My favorite character is Kaladin, but Zeth comes in as he's, a very very close second. So but that's because intriguing. I know what happens in the future as well. So and for those of us who don't, he is really intriguing. <laughs> All right, a favorite quote or moment so far, Craig. Okay, favorite quote uh, from Dalinar. I feel each of the things you mentioned, Sadius. This is when Sadius is uh, uh, telling him that he needs to be more emotive, I guess. He says, I feel each of the things you mentioned, Sadius, but I don't always let them out. A man's emotions are what define him, and control is the hallmark of true strength. To lack feeling is to be dead, but to act on every feeling is to be a child. Beautiful quote. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Loved that one. And, and I it really made me stop and think. And when I stopped and, and thought about it for a minute, I know that my tendency, and I, I bet this is true of a few people, is to is to take it the Dalinar way, where you have to rein things in. You have to know when not to show your emotions. But I would say true control of your emotions means that you know how to, uh, when it's important to let them out and let them out in full force, right? Having true control means being able to go both ways with your emotions. Fantastic. Todd, favorite quote or moment? I, I'm having a hard time finding it exactly, but it was the it was the place at the toward the end where Navani and Dalinar are talking and 
uh, Navani says, do you know why I find you so interesting or so intriguing? It's because you have become what everyone else pretends to be. And Dalinar says, I didn't do it to be intriguing. She said, if you had, it, it wouldn't, wouldn't be, it, it wouldn't have worked for you. So I'm, I'm, I, again, it goes back to the way that um, it is to so many layers of things that Brandon Sanderson does beautifully. Um, I, I was to pick only one. Yeah, that was really rude. Um, but that was that was one that really struck me. Mm -hmm. Ken, I'm going to assume since from previous discussion, we're going to be looking at chapter 13 here. Oh, no, but that we, <laughs> we'll we will talk. talk we will talk about that chapter. But uh, this one's from Kaladin after he is in the war camp and he has been made a bridge man and he is having his come to the. Come to the uh, the Stormfather moment. Moment. <laughs> come to the Stormfather. I like that. And uh, wait, is the Stormfather a good guy? Well, well, sure. We'll see. Yeah, I guess by everything we know right now, he's come to the Almighty. Yeah. I actually, I actually have two. But, uh, All right, go. Th okay. This this was his lot, and he was resigned to it. There was a certain power in that, a freedom, the freedom of not having to care. Mm, I think that's funny geez. that you use that. Computer. Yeah. What? Because mine. Here's mine. I'm going to throw mine in here. <laughs> It's from, it's actually Dalinar reciting from the Way of Kings. It says, The monarch is like this man, stumbling along, the weight of a kingdom on his shoulders. Many give way before him, but so few are willing to step in and help carry the stone. They do not wish to attach themselves to the work, lest they condemn themselves to a life full of extra burdens. The expectation that once you start doing good, once you start doing something to help someone else, you, you can't stop. It's yeah. a, I that was such a fantastic moment, especially like just in general life when we're looking around going, man, I, I could do more, but I don't want to set that expectation. Right. Know? So this is one of the I, I, I have to jump in. We, we've talked uh, many times on our podcast levels one, two and three. And th for me, should, should we give a rundown? Yeah. Very yeah. quick. Ten, um, ten second rundown. Level one is level one is really the, the, the ripping good yarn kind of a story. Um, level two is when we want to explore some pieces that are interesting as far as the way that the story interrelates to itself, the way that we build the system within the world. But level three is, does it change you as a human being? What does it make you think about as far as larger pieces of philosophy? This book is chock full of level three stuff. It, it feels like it feels like it is a deep dive into level three and it pops up a little bit to do level one and two and then it goes back down. I just absolutely have loved reading this so far because it has been so much of level three stuff, which for me is what really intrigues me and, and gets me reading. And we're only inside of parts one and two so far. I, Thanks for reminding me. I've yeah. enjoyed all that too. The reason I picked this quote, by the way, wait a minute, is a wait lot. a minute. Did I hear that right? Oh, we'll get back to it. Okay. <laughs> all right. But the, the reason I like this quote is because of the dichotomy that it shares with your quote and the fact that this is really, uh, sections one and two are really a very much a redemption story for Kaladin. I mean, here he is doing all he can to help getting, you know, royally, pun intended, screwed for it, <laughs> ending up a slave, realizing that all of his efforts to help these dark eyes who have really are, are just have no fortune and and now he's the one that's in shackles are, are you mm -hmm. using words yeah uh, okay all right somebody's following him who are you who are you and, and so now the rest of sections one and two or parts one and two are all about him becoming that leader again and stepping back up and this this is the moment where it turns around for him now one of the things that i, I appreciate that we've brought up so many different uh pieces here this book there is a lot to process at the beginning here Craig, you made a comment to me in, in passing that you actually felt like this should be three separate stories uh, uh, when you first started reading it. Yes. Do you still feel that way? Yes. Okay. Up to this point in time, yes. 
I'm I'm anxious to see how they start. Knowing Brandon Sanderson, I know they're going to get interwoven very very quickly and completely. But I, I, I they they still feel very much disjointed. This one, yeah. I I feel like especially like my first read and listening to you guys speak about your first reads. What have been so? What were some of the biggest obstacles or hurdles that you had to overcome Names. to starting the to Names. starting this? Um, I I would agree with that. There's yeah. a especially lot because of names. as the, he goes through and everyone gets named, everyone gets a little bit of a backstory, and it was hard for me to figure out which ones I'm supposed to be following. Yeah, mm-hmm. this um, this question it's, it, you, it's a great question, and I think it ties in really well with something that we may have brought up at the end of the episode anyway, which is do you recommend this book to others? And my answer so far would be a resounding yes. If mm-hmm. yeah, it's if a qualified yes. You if you have a taste for this kind of thing, it's about the best you'll find. If you don't, it's it's going to be sheer misery because of what you said. That I mean, the names is one thing, yeah. but also just the the world building in the general. Sheer enormity. When we it. recommended yeah. that you guys read Mistborn, if you recall, we told you, all right, listen, 150 pages, give or take. It's going to take some time. You got you, to get your footing to yep. understand how the magic works, who these characters are, etc. Right. This one, oh gosh. We're 500 it's, pages yeah. in and you're still feeling like you're being exposed to stuff. Yep. Exactly. It, it gives you a taste of the enormity of what it is that you have stepped into with this. And it can be, I, I, I agree that if someone is not invested in this, they're going to have a hard time wanting to push to a, a far distance. And I, to I, do I it. Think But it's not from, I, I won't say that it's from a lack of interesting material. It's just from so much overload. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it starts when to I, weep. Also, go ahead. When I, I get on Reddit every once in a while and see on the, the uh, Brandon Sanderson threads, uh, there are people who get on and say, hey, I've heard a lot about this guy. Where do you recommend recommend I start? And so many people get on and say, read The Way of Kings. It's his best book. And that may be true. I mean, it's an arguable point. It may yeah. be true. But I would say it is not the best place to start somebody unless they, like I said, unless they really know they have a taste for this kind of thing. Have you if finished you, The Lord of the Rings? Have you read The Silmarillion? If you, you're, you're good if you want to. Yeah, you, you yeah. Check that's, that off your that list. might be yeah. a good way to put it. But otherwise, it's no, you get into Mistborn, read Elantris, read Warbreaker, because... If you know, if you get through that and you're still really excited about reading Sanderson, then you know when you start Way of Kings, you know that you want to power through yeah. all that stuff and learn all the names. Because it really did take, I think by the end of Section 2, I finally started to get a hold of, okay, wait, which one is Dalinar and which one is Elokar? And, what, you know, it took mm, right. so long. Yeah. And so. I, would, I would be curious to say, I know from my experience, I'd be curious to any of our people watching on Facebook Live, feel free to chime in in the comments. But the for me, the second read through, the first 500 pages did not have, did not struggle it with the same pacing or the same issue because I knew what I was reading. And I right. think- I'd buy that. I think that, I, that this book is twice as good on the second read through because you're sitting here going, I know what this means. So when we start, because your first like six chapters or your first six sections are all- broken up into different characters because you start with the heralds and then you go to Zeth and then you go to Sen and Sen dies and then now you're with Kaladin and then you go to Shallan. Sen Sen is the perspective of the boy in the squad. Yeah. Oh, He comes in and he gets introduced to Kaladin and and you go, what? And then immediately he gets killed. And and then he's he's gone. Um, Because I was sitting here, okay, my my main character is Sen. And then I realized, so maybe for those of you who are interested in the book but haven't started reading or anything, uh, a few key points if you're gonna if you're gonna tackle this without 
uh, at the head of each section, it lists out who you're going to be following. Yes. So section like one says Kaladin, Shallan, Dalinar, something like that. Yeah. Um, Dalinar, Adolin, comes. And I agree. Uh, Strayhill. I think he just talked about how it's so much better the second time, and the interludes make a lot more sense. You um, gotta tell us how to pronounce your name, man. I yeah. gotta know. I gotta know. <laughs> I think it's Strayhill. Yeah, but yeah, the, I, I agree. There's inside this book. Um, I, this is a good time to talk about this. If you want to know, this book is not written in a standard style. Brandon Sanderson actually writes what? this. <laughs> no. Uh, so the the entire series is going to be ten books, but it's broken into five into two into two subgroups of five books. So we're going to follow these characters for five books. And then we'll follow another set of characters for the next five books <sighs> with cameos from these ones here. So you're going to have even more world building to deal with there. So that being said, each individual book is three separate books written. Like you were talking about how it's through how I wish yeah. it was three separate books. That's how it's written. Three books, five parts. Mishmash together. My, it, it, it's a mind blowing thing. Like I read it, uh, a newsletter from Brandon Sanderson who explained how he writes these in that way. And I went, I can't wrap my head around this. No wonder I can't always catch what you're doing, like <laughs> follow your writing. But you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what has made this easier for me to read um, is I've spent a lot of time with Frank Herbert and Frank not, Herbert. Not personally. As far as you know, um, Frank, Her- <laughs> until the, Frank until Herbert. Frank Herbert. Like, I'm like, listen, if you're going to name drop, um, I spent a lot of time with Frank Herbert's books. Are you happier now? There you go. <laughs> okay, so so um, that's another restraining order was signed for. Re- <laughs> <laughs> by Frank and several others, um, but luckily not by anybody in this room, so far as I'm aware. Um, the um, the the writing style that he uses is he will follow. Um, and, f- and for people who have read the Dune series um, and, and re- gone through most of that, um, he, he writes in a very similar style. Um, you follow, you're following multiple threads of the same story, and each chapter is told from the distinct perspective of one character at a time. And so for me, that made this process a little bit easier. It made it easier for me to figure out where I was at and where I was going. The tough part, um, the, the tough part for me with this book has been trying to figure out which names I want to pay attention to. Again, that was another struggle that I had with Frank Herbert because he writes in a similar style. I don't know if that was if that was something that Brandon Sanderson said, ooh, I liked that stylistic piece and so I'm going to work with it, or if it just kind of happens to work that way. But 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 that's something if, if, uh, if you are new and you're approaching this, uh, you're approaching this work and you're wondering, you know, what's it, what's it like? How do I compare it? If you've read Frank Herbert, that's the kind of thing that you're going to get. And yeah. you'd be able to tackle this without a lot of problem. It, Bef- and it's not hard. Once once you once I wrap my head around that, I was like, oh, okay, I got it. I know where I'm going. Before we move on to the next point, I'd better share the word of the day because we're 20 minutes in now, 23 minutes in. If word they stayed the this long, they should get the word of the, the day. The word of the day is run. run. The word of the day is run. You'll be waiting for two more of those, so listen to those. Listen for those in the next two episodes. Like I need to if Craig is chasing the sock full of nickels or whatever. He's yeah, that's not the rest of the quote, Quinn. That's Use not the rest of the quote. Use a bag of navel oranges. It doesn't leave the bruises. <laughs> All right. So the word of the day is run. Listen for the rest of the series of words. And then at the end of the Way of Kings uh, series that we're doing, you may tweet that at us, the phrase, and be entered to win a signed copy of The Way of Kings. Signed by Brandon Sanderson. Signed by the Legendarium. (laughs) All right. I like this question that Jared threw in here because if anyone is familiar with uh, Brandon Sanderson's works, especially the Mistborn series, there are epigraphs. Yeah. at the beginning of chapters. What are yes. your thoughts on those so far? Uh, 
I don't care. I like they, having people live feed letters it because it feeds things for us to talk yeah, about. Exactly. <laughs> letters amongst the radiance. I, that's the thing is, I, because I have no context, I don't care yet. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I shouldn't care. I'm not saying I shouldn't read them, but I don't care yet. Uh, yes, they're interesting and mysterious, but there's no context. It makes no sense, and so at this point, I'm just waiting to figure out who's writing them and what's going on. Like yeah. in the Mistborn series, you kind of yeah. wanted to know who was writing them, but it, it doesn't become a... It, it takes you at least half the book in Mistborn, maybe more like three quarters before it starts to come together as a sub-narrative yes. and, you're, and you're discovering what's going on with all those. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, it, but these... But these ones I don't make care yet. far less sense than yeah. those did so and, far. And that's okay. saying something. <laughs> All right. Does anybody have any specific things that they really want to talk about that they want to bring up? I just wanted to point out this book uh, made me think of Craig's often used complaint about Brandon Sanderson and his inability to to properly name things or properly use names. Oh, I didn't feel like that was as much a problem in this book. This book, he nails it. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, that's (laughs) my point is that this is where he gets it all right. These names are, are just awesome. And for me, I can of, speak words. One awesome. of the one of the things that I'm that I'm really getting a kick out of on this one, is like I did with, um, like I did with Mistborn, was trying to figure out the magic system. I'm I'm yeah, I looking, still have no idea. What's I'm going looking on. at the spren, and I'm saying to myself, hmm, that's got to have something to do with this. I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at the shards, and I'm saying to myself, hmm, that's got to have something to do with this. I'm looking at the thrill, and about Kaladin's experience with the spear. Hmm, I. Th- think that's going to have something to do with it. Shallon uh, and, and her drawing. Hmm. That's got to have something to do with Not it. Not only her drawing, but are you going to say more things? things? In the all of these, all of these pieces that are interwoven. I keep saying to myself, you know, last time I thought I had it figured out, I was going to connect them. This time <laughs> I'm sitting back and I'm going, I know they're going to be connected, but I have no freaking clue how he's going to do it. So the, the, up to this point... And the Parshendi and their armor. Up to this point, the most uh, we have seen of the magic system, if I remember correctly... The binding. Is Zeth's Zeth. uh, yeah. assassination of King Gavilar, yeah. which is... We've talked before about the man knows how to write a hook. Oh, oh gosh. yeah. Oh, and his, it's always a violent hook. Here it is again. It's brilliant. super violent. It was. Yeah. And it was, but it was so cool. Yeah, no, I'm not complaining. Don't get me wrong. I'm just so saying. So cool. I, I think that might be um, I, not a crutch because a crutch has a, a, a negative connotation. But it's uh, it, it's something it's, he keeps coming back to again a, and again and again. It's a trusted weapon. It's his renette. Right. It's not it's, a crutch. It's his idiom. Well, <laughs> to, to quote Monty Python, many good stories and many a lot of things. And this is true in the case of uh, drama and, and a lot of things is it you start at a turning point. You start yes. at something, big, a big moment there. And in this case, and especially in a in, in a world that is so driven by war, it's going to be a violent, violent uh, moment there yes. to start that out. By the um, way, you guys mentioned Gavilar. And I just wanted to point out, I love characters like Gavilar that are these big, powerful, prominent characters, yet the only reason that they are there in the book is to drive things forward. They drive all the action forward and they their influence is felt in everything that comes after them. After they die. You, yeah, you see them for like five, seven pages, yet they are prominent in the rest of the book or the rest of the series. I love characters like Gavilar. So, Follow yeah. the codes. And of course, in Gavilar is uh, dead. By yeah. by the end of the prologue, or is he? 
Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, he's probably yeah, he's dead. dead. He, <laughs> Zeth wrote a note in his blood. It's probably a fairly good bet that he's gone. Um, uh, can, I, I, I have a bullet point that goes along nicely with something uh, Strahil just said. Mm-hmm. He says, I love Alamancy and Farukami, but Stormlight is just so awesome. Here's a point for you. I was reading through a 2011 Q&A that Sanderson did on Reddit, and somebody asked him who would win in a fight between... <laughs> Uh, Zane and Zeth, or Marsh and Zeth, you know, with these mash- mashups. Basically, what's the more powerful magic system, I think, is what they're going for. And there was a bit of a long answer, and, and it came down to, well, it depends. And Sanderson says, well, if the Mistborn has uh, any sort of distance, then they're going to have a huge advantage. They can shoot coins at him. Does Zeth have any metal on him? We, he probably doesn't carry much because of his wardrobe in these scenes but does he have any because that's going to be a huge disadvantage and what he came down to was overall and this is a quote overall i'd say that a full-blown mistborn would be tougher than zeth in most cases in most most cases cases. yeah there is a very very crucial point that we Mm. cannot discuss because it's in book two (laughs) as to why why i think brandon said that um Okay, yeah. all right, we'll and, just leave it there. I just wanted is, to point that out. I thought that was a, it was a fun and yes, and question. It and is, it is a glory. As Strahil just points out, wait until book two. Yeah. It is a glorious feeling. Actually, I, I look forward to say, to me, it's a greater thing to say, I look forward to your second readings of this <laughs> because it really, it, the whole thing changes Strahil says, Ryan, how do you feel now that you can tell Craig, wait for book two? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very nice feeling. It's satisfying. It, yeah. it is uh, a little bit there. Um, Okay, uh, did anyone else have any... Uh... I've, I've got a few. you mind if I run through another one? Go, go for uh, it. Because, uh, and this is one of my favorite world-building things, when he's setting the setting. Boy, that was <laughs> awful. Uh, no, when Good he, English. He's, wow. he's setting the stage, and Kaladin is in the slave wagon on his way to the Shattered Plains. They're rolling along in the slave wagon, and Brandon describes the grass retreating into the ground oh, yeah, as they roll really by cool. and what a cool image that was and, and this whole ecology has evolved around high storms and how yeah. do these plants and animals protect themselves from high storms well i did a little digging and <laughs> always dangerous uh because uh, okay so because of these high storms the plants on roshar are exhibiting an extreme form of something that happens here on earth which is called rpm or rapid plant movement off the top of your head, can you guys name any plants that exhibit rapid movement? Like a sea anemone? Venus flytrap. There yeah, you that's go. what I was thinking. That's the obvious one. Here's another one. There, It's called Mimosa pudica, or Touch Me Not. And it's a... Uh, it's oh, a, yeah. It's a plant. It's like a fern-looking thing. It's got rows of leaves. And if you touch it, they'll... Chick, 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 all oh, the way. I've seen, I've seen the video. They'll yeah. fold in. I'm going to put... A, I'll, I'll put a GIF on the Facebook page. It's really cool. I It's mm. fantastic. So anyway, I it's, just thought that was cool. When I was reading it, I was like, that's so crazy. That's that, There's nothing like that anywhere on Earth. Well, it turns out I'm wrong. It's. Uh, I think it's interesting you bring that up too because uh, I'm, I'm going to touch on the interludes here a little bit because I'm fairly certain that this interlude is in, with inside that area. But we do have a section of their world that does not live like Some that. Of the high storms, yeah. The, yeah. The Clear Lake or the Pure Lake. There's the Pure Lake area that's different, and then uh, Have you read the the Shin? Oh, the the cl- uh, oh, pure, yeah, pure yeah, Lake. Yeah. Clear okay, so you have read it then. Yeah. 
um, clear, was it called Clear Lake or Pure, Pure Lake? Lake? It's the Pure Lake. Pure Lake. Uh, that just made me think of the Salt Lake because <laughs> the Salt Lake is only ever about, I, I think at its deepest, it's like 15 feet or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but for most of it, you can just wade Every through the entire smaller. lake. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That was a cool image. Which I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I have, <laughs> I have not, not, there's a lot to spoil, but I have a feeling that's going to come back into play later on, actually. Agreed. Facebook question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joseph says, any Cosmere ideas? That's all he says. Is that, we uh, should talk are, are we asking, like, does it have sections one and two fed into the Cosmere at all? Is that what he's getting at, do you think? Uh, not sure if you want to give us some clarification, but I do think this is important to talk about because this is the biggest Cosmere piece that is, w- this is the book series that I believe that the Cosmere stuff is going to play out in most. He makes an indication, yeah. they, in, most of the, in, in most of the other books that we've read, they talk about the world, the world, the world. But this world has a name. Its inhabitants know the name. It's Roshar, and I, f- I find it fascinating. We until a un, until a intelligent species acknowledges that there are more locations. There's no need to identify your place as anything other than home or Earth or the planet. Um, and so I I find that as a a really interesting tease um, to find out whether or not they're going to that for for me as a as a science fiction reader. Um, that was a that was a piece that triggered to me to say, oh, they acknowledge that there is more outside of their planet that could be could be dealt with. So this, I, it was just something that popped up as a sci-fi reader. When I was as I was, oh, do you want? Sorry, to go? speaking of cosmic stuff, I'm going to ask a question to Todd just to make sure that I'm in the right section uh, because I couldn't <laughs> help myself when I read forward. So if I say what? Yeah. <laughs> so Todd, if I say wit, I loved wit. Okay. Of course you did. Of course you I did. I loved wit. It's the only the only thing I didn't like about wit is that everybody said, "Oh, well, it wasn't a bad thing to kill the king's wit." <laughs> <laughs> so for those uh, for those who are uh, have I, read I, the series, I'm, I I was pretty sure as as wit was talking, I'm like, ah, I know who that is. Yeah, I. In fact, we've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. I kind of guessed that one pretty. Quickly. So Hoyd. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Spoiler yeah. alert. It's not much of a spoiler. It's not honestly. really. We'll just we'll discuss it in parts three and four um, that he is that he is Hoyd. And if we're going to talk Cosmere, you have to talk Hoyd, Hoyd because he's the he's currently the strongest link to everything else that's going on it, in the rest of the Cosmere. So the only Cosmere link that I saw in sections one and two or that I, the only one that made me wonder, I'm sure there's plenty, but the almighty and I'm wondering if the Almighty is Adonalsium, which was the original god who was sh- shattered and created the shards, right? Mm-hmm. And whose shards were taken up. So I'm wondering if that's the Almighty or if the Almighty is one of those shards or what. A- anyway, so I, I have We'll We'll have a good discussion questions. about the Almighty at the end of this book for certain. Um, yeah. Okay. I... I I don't know. We're, we're jumping into parts three and four with the discussion of Adonalsium and yeah. stuff like that. Okay. This is, stop. But there, there really isn't a ton of Cosmere stuff because we're still being introduced. We're still world building for the most part. Um, I personally, like I said, Kaladin is my favorite character uh, in this series because in a lot of ways I, I relate to, to him a lot. You uh, feel like a slave that has been branded as dangerous? <laughs> not exactly. Um, I certainly don't feel like uh, that I'm a very dangerous human being. Um, but his desire to care, um, that, I, that actually just totally triggered and I'm going to go in a different direction now. <laughs> this, this book is Kaladin's book. This series okay. is written. Each book is given, is given to a specific character. And you know that because you get to see one character's history. There are random chapters fed into there that where right. you're referring to Cal 
you know, back seven right, years ago, nine, nine years, years ago, whatever. Seven, yeah. How did you guys feel about that? Did that throw you at all to be like, wait a minute? I have to admit that every time I would get to a flashback, uh, let's, you know, let's go. And I, I didn't. I did too the first time, but the second time I read through sections one and two, I was very interested to read those sections. See, my I remember on my first read through, my first read through went like this. Oh, it's an uh, Kaladin history chapter. Okay, we'll push through this one. Oh, it's a Dalinar chapter. Oh, Kaladin, here we go. Oh, Shalon, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Kaladin, here we go. That's how I read the first, read it the first time. Having read the second book and read each of these books two or three times already, it, now I go back and every single chapter has something, all of them happen for me. For me, um, the, the biggest thing about... Um the, the biggest thing that I found that I that I started started to resonate with me with Cal is this this internal struggle um, of you, you a man either takes life or he saves life um, that that dichotomy that duality oh I hated that, that <laughs> bull crap right up front and, and I gotta <laughs> I gotta be honest as I as I as I was working with that I was talking to uh, I was talking to another uh, person who's a fan of the podcast um, and we saw each other at a, at a party earlier this week and I said it reminds me very much of a, of a piece from another piece of mythology where we have two individuals uh, uh, or stop two... talking in riddles what are you talking about um, I, don't, I don't know if I can say okay. um, <laughs> uh, suffice to say uh, one individual gets prized because of his warlike ability. Another individual gets prized because of their peace-like ability. This dichotomy is something that, as human beings, uh, we struggle with. Um, and I find I I find it fascinating that Brandon Sanderson wants to explore this as completely within a single human being. Um, I feel like that I I would be interested to talk with him about that from a standpoint of is this autobiographical? Is this something that you personally deal with uh, and struggle with? It's it was it's a big deal for me. Yeah. And we'll talk more about it offline if you want. Okay. Uh, Who else has some points? Anyone else have something, big things? Uh, Ken, chapter 13. Can we talk about chapter 13? <laughs> I can see you, I can see you kind of okay. getting itchy you over guys, there. You he guys have the said this. Thorn. You've said this so many times. What's chapter 13? Chapter 13 is called Ten Heartbeats. It's the one where um, the giant, what's it, what's it called? The giant chasm, chasm fiend. fiend. Chasm fiend, thank you. It's the They're, one going the chasm fiend ca- They're going on a chasm fiend hunt. They're going on a chasm fiend hunt. and heartbeats. Something goes One. terribly wrong, and the chasm fiend doesn't go to the proper plateau. He goes to the plateau where all of the observers, for some stupid reason, have come to watch because, you know, hey, whatever, it should hey, be it's safe. it's just like the Civil War. And so now this 30-foot-tall chasm fiend is bearing down on civilians and on the king, and Dalinar gets totally... Kids don't listen to this. He gets totally badass <laughs> and just goes crazy he's up until this point he's kind of lost his mojo he he was drunk and asleep when his brother got killed and he's he's totally the last six years floundering and and trying to figure out his way and he's he's going crazy because he's seeing these visions during high storms and in this moment he becomes the blackthorn which is this guy of legend and you know nobody could beat him and he's, he's no nonsense with his his plain armor jumps over chasms he gets up there he's so it's lots of punching is oh that what you're gosh, saying it is i i picture the perfect combination <laughs> of iron man and thor I at told, the same moment i told some uh, one of our one of our listeners that this is simply put maybe the best chapter of any book ever written ever the best chapter from any Ken, book ever. Ken, for listen, punchin'. listen. Oh for no, punchin'. not even for punching. It's there is so much in this Ken, chapter. Ken, shut up. Oh, this is the best chapter Just, ever. Just the way he. No, you. There's the door. I don't care if this is your house. You shut up. 
It is it Ladies is a fantastic this chapter, is a and it's oh a very my gosh. and the way it starts with the ten heartbeats on the one two you reading down the heartbeats, and all of a sudden the shard the the the. the, the for those, I mean, I assume most of our listeners to this have read portion of this, but a shard blade had, takes 10 heartbeats to summon. To materialize, yeah. Okay, um, this is bringing up another thing that I wanted to mention. That Ken has a hard if time we're, with If words. we're okay with venturing back away from the punching. Uh, let's, it, let's just one more second of right, punching. Right. We got to give, give our percentage to the punching here. It's fantastic. My, it's amazing because you get to see the Blackthorn. You get to see what Dalinar is. You don't yeah. get a lot of, of, of what he is. But there's this great moment, and you realize how much he, A, how much he cares about Elhokar, how much he cares about the kingdom, what sort of man he is, that he goes out, he runs out, and he catches this chasm fiend claw as it's about to smash the king. That's the best part. And quite frankly, based on the little bit that we know, that wouldn't have been a terrible thing for Roshar, because Elhokar is a bit of a selfish brat. Yeah. And there, there's my point. It's this chapter encapsulates everything about this book. It shows... Adolin's doubt in his father and he, it shows him why you know his father it shows him the picture of what he wishes his father would be it shows Elikar as a total I'm not going to say it because Badass. I've already said no Elikar's not oh no Dalinar Elikar. Dalinar he's a bit of a pansy Elikar's a prick I did, and you, you can see all I, of this I do want you to know before we before we started getting all languagey my mom just tuned in on Facebook <laughs> I got the notification <laughs> sorry Craig's mom but you can see that he doesn't care about his kingdom all he cares about is oh I want to get this chasm fiend I want to get this gym heart because I'm the king and blah 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 uh, you see uh, you could see a little bit of Renarin uh, Dalinar's other mm. son who is kind of a pansy because he's got this weakness um, you see Sadius and you see the connection he's the the bad guy up to this point really i mean if there's a bad yeah, guy he's if you're going to write about if you're going to if you're going to label one character a bad guy outside of maybe zeth yeah um yeah he's, he's the bad Sadius guy so far our... there's there's this connection between dalinar and sadius and gavilar and with the death of gavilar sadius and there's this huge resentment between uh, dalinar and sadius and it, it the entire first two sections really the point of the book builds up in this one section and the punching is so Good. <laughs> I, I okay. do agree. There's a lot in this chapter. It's not just punching, but the best chapter ever written. Come it on. is the best. Uh, but I do want to bring this up. Any Sanderson we book. get something in this book that, I, to my knowledge, we've never had in a Sanderson book before, and that's chapter titles. Yes. I I actually I love okay. chapter titles as long as they're not spoilery. Um, I I actually really like them. I don't have a lot to say on that subject other than that I appreciated that they were there in this book. And you you can usually, when you finish the chapter, you can realize, yeah, that's why this was, that's an accurate uh, Uh, title. One of the reasons I like it is because when you say, oh, that was the chapter titled 10 Heartbeats, then it was easier for me to, to get a context yeah you right. know there are 75 chapters in this book and it would be really hard for me to be like oh chapter 13 that's right it's the one that's about <laughs> this so but uh yeah. there is a question here on facebook i was just about to jump to yeah. that it's uh he, he we want to talk about shard plate and shard blades while we're here because these are not your average swords or your average armor um and it's it's worth discussing. By the way, we're totally going long on this episode. Oh, yeah. I just hope everybody's yeah. prepared for that. <laughs> this is going to be a long one. So, uh, for the, yeah, again, I assume most of you have already read, but a shard blade is unique because it doesn't actually cut living flesh. Um, it is bound to its owner. Uh, it takes 10 heartbeats to summon. 
uh, when you but it can sear through just about anything that's inanimate or not alive it can it literally cuts through anything like it and it it's cuts butter. through souls yeah, yeah it kills it souls at least that's how it's described right that's yeah. that, that's what i'll say about it it's pretty wicked yeah um, shard plate, on the other hand, is uh, basically the strongest armor that it, we've ever read, but it's powered by stormlight. Um, it sits; it doesn't have the uh, weak no points. No leathers. No no leather attachments. Yeah. Uh, so, I I wonder about that because stormlight appears to be the magic system. We, uh, we don't it's know the, what that is yet, but that's the that's the power that makes the magic go. The makes, investiture. There you go. <laughs> And so I, I do wonder how shard blades fit into that because they don't seem to be powered by, uh, by <laughs> what was I just saying, by stormlight the way that shard plate is. So, yeah, I am very curious. What are my thoughts on it? I don't have a ton because I haven't learned all that much yet. The other thing about them, and I feel okay talking about it because it's not really spoilery, is that you have to realize just how valued shard plate and shard blades are in this story. There are, to their knowledge, uh, Dalinar says to his knowledge, he can barely think of maybe a hundred in exact, okay? They trade kingdoms for this stuff. To have a shard bearer is to be one of the elite in this world. Which is why they have uh, situations where um, Kaladin and some of the others talk about being a dark eyes and winning a shard, right. winning a shard blade. And supposedly when, if a dark eyes wins a shard blade, what happens? They become a light eyes. They become a light eyes, which is their whole system of, it's the basis of their system of government that the heralds decreed that those with light eyes should rule. But Dalinar's having some issues with that in his visions. Because of some magic called the, the way, way of kings. kings. Which, are we all agreed, is the fifth chapter of Matthew in the New Testament? <laughs> Pretty close. <laughs> Pretty close. It's the Beatitudes. <laughs> Pretty close. It's, it's a, it, it, is a, it is a description of how a king should rule. And what an interesting combination of the fifth chapter of Matthew, but also the, uh, the, the tales of chivalry, um, mm-hmm. the stories of King Arthur and his, and his knights errant. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would almost tie those more into the Alethi codes than the Way of Kings. Perhaps. Because it, it, yeah. it, it takes a little time to learn the difference when Dalinar's talking about it because he refers a lot to the, the Alethi codes and to the Way of Kings, and they're separate. They're actually separate documents. They're separate ways of things. And Gavilar said that uh, his, his brother started to follow the codes once he started reading the Way of Kings. Yeah, so there's an interweaving of them. How? What a neat, and I don't mean neat as in the 50s way of saying it, but what what a neat way to for Brandon to introduce the philosophy that he wants to talk about. It's always a nice little trick to have the book that all these people refer to. So you Mm -hmm. don't have to put all these words and thoughts into one of your characters. They can still fumble around and not be perfect the way that uh, some people often are in books. In this case, they can just, they can read this book, the way of Kings. That's so wisdomous. He's done. He's done that in two different ways in this story. Um, One, is the way of kings. Mm-hmm. The other is that he has introduced a a main character. I'm going to put that in air quotes. Um, in Yasna Kolin, who is a scholar who at any given time decides she can uh, teaches lessons in scholarship and philosophy or whatever, and you can have that discussion oh, right. with her and Shalon. So doesn't really matter which story you're in, whether it be Dalinar's, whether it be Shalon's, whether it be Kaladin's, there's someone there that you can discuss philosophy. For Shalon, it's Yasna. For Dalinar, it's with the Way of Kings. Uh, for Kaladin, it's a lot of his discuss- discussions with Sil. Sil, yeah. yeah. I now know what it is to lie. We haven't even talked about Sill. We haven't I, talked about Sill at all. Uh, Sill is the Sill is the 
the do the the dual character with Kaladin. Right, when, right. When I said they were introduced as pairs, that Kaladin and Syl and his his communications and the fact that that she chooses it's there's a choosing that's going on, and I love the I I love the idea that that fate is not is is not thrust. It's not forced. It's chosen. Uh, Dalinar is choosing items, things about his fate. Uh, Renarin makes choices about how he handles things. His choice to dash onto the battlefield and the, the discussion about um, in, in anything else I would have been thrilled, but you didn't have any plate. You didn't even you didn't even have regular armor. You were out uh, completely unprotected. So why did you know why would you be so foolish? And yet, in the back of his head, Dalinar is thinking. And yet, I appreciate the bravery that that shows. Yeah. Um, you've and 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 of course, in uh, in and Shal- Shalon, you've got her feeling of loyalty toward her family, but her feeling of wanting to prove herself to Yasna. I mean, there's there's these magnificent choices that people make all the way through uh, these series, and I I I'm glad that it is not just. You know, with with so much of high fantasy, it's it's a feeling of oh, you're born into this, you just have to deal with it. No, whether they're born into it or not, these people are making choices. I'm glad you brought up choice because I want to jump into the people who have the least amount of choice in this story, <laughs> the Bridgemen. Oh man, we haven't even oh. talked about how cool a lot of those Bridgemen are. So we have the the Bridgemen in the story are uh, so. Uh, Sadius, High Prince Sadius, to do his assaults on the plateaus to go out and find the gem hearts, which is how they're fighting this war, which has become more of a game. Uh, he has men carry bridges to the chasms, lay them down, and the archers of the Parshendi just pick them off. They're not given shields, they're not given anything, they're just there to be shot at. As opposed, by the way, to other High Princes who use chulls. Like they use big, chills, big they have other ways. Yeah, crab oxen thing to pull their bridges. They're slow and unwieldy. Bridgemen are fast. A bridgeman's life is basically the lowest you can get. Um, You're a disposable human being. It gets so bad, it gets to this great moment where Kaladin decides to go to the honor chasm. The honor chasm being where... Oh, that was a good moment. Yeah, you yeah. yourself off and you die. That's yep. his come to Stormfather moment. He goes, he goes out there and he looks into the abyss and he talks to Syl... And he comes back and he grabs Gaz and he, he makes the decision rather than dying. He says, Sil says this wonderful thing. And it's one of my notes in here. Then what would it hurt to try? If you can't, you can't, they're going you, to die you anyway. You have nothing to, to lose. lose. Right. So yeah. why not try again? I'm like, this is such a glorious story for anybody who's ever been in a dark or hard place. Yeah. When you get to the point where you have nothing to lose, why, what, what harm is there in it's, trying? It's uh, interesting that he put that, set that scene at a chasm because it made me think of, of addicts and others who hit what they call rock, rock bottom. bottom. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a place that I think a lot of people eventually get to and have to either find a way out or they or they jump. And I love Kaladin when he comes back to Gaz. It's not like a I'm changing my life. Or whatever. He comes to Gaz and he grabs him and he says, "I died out there. You can't hurt me. I died there, and you're going to let me do. I'm now the bridgemen are mine." And from there, we have this total shift in his perspective and how he's going to go forward. He's going to help these Bridgemen. He's made a decision. And that decision is something that Bridgemen don't usually get. And none of them take. Most of them pretty much are just resigned to the fact that they're going to die within the next week, day, whatever. And I love that Kaladin makes that decision and it affects them going forward. And it affects affects him, um, but it also affects... Um, at least as I watch it, it affects the other choices that they get to make. Yeah. By seeing someone make a choice, 
they start being able to make choices too. Right afterwards, uh, one of the quotes that I had highlighted that that I didn't share was the one where he goes, where, where afterwards he goes through and he shakes every man awake in the barracks and he says, tell me your name. And they hold on to that name as though it is a precious thing. It's their last it's the possession. It's the last thing they have. Yeah. And so they won't give it up, at least not easily, but he gets the names from all of them. Um, and and I, I've, when when one person makes a choice, we, we have a tendency, uh, I think oftentimes, to uh, undervalue the individual the individual choices that we make um, and their impact on those around us. Um, I think Brandon Sanderson, and, and again, this is me going into level three stuff, um, but, I, but I think Brandon Sanderson does a wonderful job of exploring the fact that one man's choice has ramifications, has, has consequences that even that man cannot per, uh, perceive. Uh, and I really enjoyed that. Okay, I'm going to throw out uh, just your last chance for the uh, anyone in our live stream who, if you want to ask questions or anything, this is your last chance to throw it in. We're going to kind of have to wrap up because I think we're pretty close to... We're at 54 minutes. Yeah, yeah. so... We're going to, I mean... We're, I'm, we're happy, to go, I'm happy to go a little long, but I, I don't want this to be a three-hour discussion. Yeah, we, I, I think... Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Okay, okay. Yeah. Todd, I mean, I like you, but it, it's time for you to go. Well... Thanks, Craig. I, <laughs> the room starts to smell after oh, 48 man. minutes or so. Ain't no, the room, the room started to smell after 14, let's be honest. <laughs> I do have a couple other things yeah, to bring up. We while can run we're through waiting. points. Nope. Uh, this is just a, a fun fact for you. Did you know that there is a Stormlight 3 soundtrack on Spotify? Did not know. No. Yes. This is what Brandon Sanderson writes Brandon to. Sanderson, he goes by the name of Mistborn1 on Spotify. That's a great and name. And you can you can follow him. He's also Mistborn on Reddit. Yeah. So you can find him there. But if you go on Spotify and just search Stormlight 3 soundtrack, you'll find it there. You'll just you'll know it's the right one because it's created by Mistborn 1 and this is the stuff he's listening to as he's writing Stormlight 3. Very nice. cool. Thank and you. it's actually it's Thank pretty you, darn Mr. Sanderson. It's pretty darn good. It's uh, almost entirely instrumental cuz you know you don't want to be too distracted while you write but it's all very it, it's lots of soundtracks and that sort of thing no uh, beastie boys uh not so much on the beastie boys <laughs> there's a little bit of pop music in there but it's it's all uh it's all very epic i can only imagine it, what he was listening to when he wrote chapter three. Oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> well we know what ken's gonna yeah, be listening ah, to ken, on the way home ken oh, you're you're not invited back for the next one because we won't be discussing chapter 13, 13. so oh, that's okay i'll find another chapter 13 <laughs> Psych. There is and, no other chapter thirteen, and we'll find out about it. I'm too. not kidding. By the way, I I read, I, I started reading. I'm I'm into section three right now. I've read part one and part two once. I have read chapter thirteen four times. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm not surprised. So I'm going to steal for just a minute and go back because I told I, I said at the beginning that we might touch on the interludes a little bit towards the end or in an afterpiece. I do think that we should touch on them briefly. Um, I'm going to just kind of recap them a little bit. I didn't, didn't include them in my really long recap. Um, first recap, uh, it's called Ishik. It's about a man at the Pure Lake who's a fisherman. Yep. And uh, basically, what do we take from that that story? Uh, there are men who are looking for someone named, you guys remember? I can't no. remember. No. Hoyd. Oh, uh, wait, that was in the interlude? Yep. Oh, that's right. Oh, okay. and, and their names I, okay. were different. I'm, but, sure yeah. I, I'm sure I noted it at the time. Honestly, the only interlude I even cared about was anyone that had Zeth in it. The other ones I just went, I don't care. 
It's and I blew past. But them. have you learned nothing over the course of thirteen Brandon Sanderson <laughs> books? You have to care. It's true. I know, but I, did, I just don't. I will tell you. I'm going to tell you this too, as you to give you a heads up. Reading forward, uh, the interludes are going to become a whole lot more important going forward. We don't know why these ones are important. It's, yet. it's just like the uh, the epigraphs at the beginning of every chapter. They mm. don't make sense right. now, but you have to pay attention, trusting that Brandon Sanderson will give you the payoff later. Well, I will, I will jump of... ahead. Words of Radiance, like, it's not even, like, there's a certain point where it's not even one day this will pay off. You really have to start going, oh, I got to read this one because it's about a character that is going to get their own book in book four or five. So it, mm. it's it's important there. That's kind of why I, I what I figured is I don't have to pay attention now, but I'll go back and look at him later. Yep. Or I'll, okay. I'll go back and look at him again later. So we had Ishik, then we had Nonbalat, the brother of Shalon. We get to... Who's really kind of a sick guy. Yeah. The entire family is so messed up. You have no idea. Uh, yeah, I don't really know what's going on there yet, but I... You kind of have some kind of idea with the whole I death mean, of I'm, her father. I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking to myself, I know kids that used to torture puppies. This is not a healthy human being here. And then finally, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because we will spend a lot more time with Shalon's family in Words of Radiance. And then Zeth. We don't get to read a lot of Zeth. And I'm just going to tell you ahead of time, we don't read a lot of Zeth in this book outside of the interludes. And even in Words of Radiance, it's it's not very much until you until a certain point in the book. Um, but he, give me your feelings why he keeps coming back in the interludes. Why do you feel like he's a character that is that we have to come back to? Well, because he's going to be important. He's, he's the <laughs> only he's character. Been. He's the only character that we've seen fully using the magic of this world. Yeah. And so eventually, I assume that it's through him that we'll start to learn how it all works. And, and Brandon's going to use somebody very familiar for that. What is it? Okay. What is it called? It, they give it a name, and I don't remember the name now. The Binding, wasn't it? Well, he, he can bind things, but what is it? It's called a Ooh. storm binder. Storm. I don't remember. That. So you have surge binding. Storm, surge binding. That's storm lighter. Surge binder. Storm light is the is the power. Sur- right. They're called surge, surge binding. Binders. That's what it is. Um. Yeah. It's a, it's a knight. It's a term from the knights radiant. It's their powers. They were called surge binders. And we'll talk more about the knights radiant in the future. I really like this one from this question that Joseph just threw out here. Um. Any Zeth Saint Zane comparisons? Comparisons. Uh, Wait. Are they supposed to be the same guy? No, oh, okay. no. I'm just but, saying they, they just kind of said, do, what are your thoughts? Is those two characters, would you say that they're similar? Would you say that they're too different? <sighs> no. I, I, I don't know that they're all that similar because Zane was a man of passion. He was also, well, as we learn at the end of the book, he's not crazy, but he's he's pretty crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. Regardless of whether the voices are real or not, he's pretty crazy. But Zeth, I feel like he's too calculating yeah. to be a Zane. Zeth feels like he's in charge or he's he's in control of what he's doing, Ma- meaning he's not in control. Something else is clearly guiding why he is what he is, but he knows well, the reason and he I've, consciously is making it. Zane was just crazy because he, well, A, he was crazy and then he got a spike. We, we should, I, I, I feel like um, Zeth knows how he's been played. Yes. I really feel like he, he's been played and he knows how he's been played. He knows why he's been played. And he can do nothing about it except wait for it all to come out. And then he can do something about I, it. I do like, I no, I don't like, I love the idea of a truthless. Don't know much about that mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. But the idea that somebody can have their truth stripped from them. And so morally you're obligated to nothing except 
orders from whoever holds your oath stone. Yeah, it, I, that's you, a their great, their truth becomes yours. That's a great title, truthless. You mean a, you mean a lawyer? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing about Zeth's story up to this point that I find, other than his ability to do the surge binding, which is very cool, but it's also very okay. Now what? But yeah. his his fervor and belief in his that he holds to his religion so hardcore. There's nothing magic about the oath stone. It's not like if he disobeys that he will die. As far as we know, it's simply he is so fervently uh, passionate about his beliefs that when someone has his oath stone, he does what they say. And he is, he talks about his- Reminds me of the chondra and the contract. Very similar, I do that. But the thing is, if you start to listen to his reasoning, it is, it's very interesting to, to listen to him talking in his, in his own mind about how he much prefers the work of mucking latrines and, you know, the small type stuff. Because if people really knew what he could do, they it, would ask him. And that, yeah. that's which we says. get to his, the second interlude when it kind of becomes that case. And that's, that's as far as we would go in this one anyway. Well, it says, you know, in all of, well, I've only read the first three interludes, but I've actually read past part two. It, it says I mean, he he will kill, obviously, but given the choice, not given the direct um, order, he will choose the path of least destruction. Yeah. Yep. He's not. He's There's something, there's something more to him. He's not a violent person, but he is the most proficient tool at what he does. Yeah. And he's so good at it that if he doesn't have to kill someone, he doesn't want that on his conscience, which is a very interesting thing for an assassin, uh, an assassin to be, to have such a strong conscience. Like well, said, so he's, he's been played. He knows how and he knows why. Well, and he's, he's I just, he's, wait. he's praying for death, but he can't take his own life and he can't put himself in a situation where he, he can be killed. And he's, he can't give up his shard blade. And he can't give up his shard blade. It's just. Okay. There's something I want to get to before we're done. I said we were going to be done, and in true podcast fashion, we're we gonna, kept talking we're for ten going. more minutes. I, but now this this is one thing that really uh, came to mind in a big way, and I couldn't quite let go of the thought, so I just need to share it. This is a long book. Mm-hmm. It's a very yeah. long book, and one of the chief Thank complaints, you, <laughs> one of the chief complaints that I've seen as I've perused the online webs has been its length. And people say, oh, gosh, you know, if you have something to say, just come out and say it. You know, you don't need to spend so much time. Now, this book, I looked it up, 384,000 words. That is a long book. Yep. Now, let me give you some context here. Bleak House by Charles Dickens. I think that's his longest work. 361,000. Lord of the Rings, 481. War and Peace, 561,000 words. I don't even know how many Les Mis is, but it's got to be massive. Anyway, my point is, I'm pointing to these classic works just to say, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. It just, you know, if it's not your taste, if you don't enjoy the world building, then you must have hated Moby Dick. You must hate Les Mis. But I will say this, Les Mis, War and Peace, one book. Sure. Not ten. But... Now, Ryan, maybe you can answer this question for us. When you get to the end of this book, is it, oh gosh, I I can't wait until book 10 for this all to mean something? I don't think so. No, this, I, I, through sections sections one and two, just through sections one and two, you have so much meat to chew on. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah. I would would simply say to all of those who are saying that, Philistines, um, (laughs) (laughs) because, because sometimes... Art takes time, and Brandon Sanderson is not 
he, he is not a hack. He is not a writer. He is an artist. And if we don't respect him as an artist, then you really need to stop reading his work and stop complaining about it. And uh, personally, I, I have a tough time reading fast. Yeah. I really do. And so keeping up on our schedule sometimes is very difficult for me, which these gentlemen have been so kind about, uh, sometimes slowing down just enough to let me finish a section. Um, but it is so ennobling. I, I, I feel about Brandon Sanderson's writing the way that I feel about uh, Monet's Water Lilies Under Rue Bridge. Easy, buddy. I do. <laughs> I do. It, it, makes, it makes me... Um, it, it makes me feel different about who I am. And there's not a lot of writing out there that does that for me. Brandon Sanderson does. And that's why I compare the two. Because Monet's, Monet's um, waterscapes always are things that make me see the world differently. And if that's what it being an artist is all about then Brandon Sanderson is one. And we should respect the fact that this is art. This is not simply entertaining literature. Two things. First is if you want to glimpse into the mind of Brendan Sanderson about writing something like this, the first thing you need to understand is that he considers this series the masterpiece of his work. Like this is has his he, legacy. Has he said that? I've seen a mm-hmm. lot of people saying that in reviews or, you know, this is what I'll Sanderson f- considers, but I haven't seen a primary source on that yet. We'll have to go find it, but I, I do know that that is something that, that he has said, is that this is this is the series that I have been write, wanting to write mm-hmm. from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And he actually did write, he wrote The Way of Kings a long time ago, but after working through so many other series, he actually scrapped the entire book and wrote it, uh, wrote a fresh one, a brand new version of it. So the one you're reading now, there was an entire other version of it that never, never went anywhere. Wasn't Kaladin's wow. name like Eklund or something like that. Probably. Something crazy. But the other thing... Wasn't as cool as Kaladin. If you really want to get into his mindset about this, you need to go read his um, response to fans when he took over writing for Robert Jordan before the series was finished. And he talks about why the decision was made to write three books Mm -hmm. instead of... Because he was originally hired to write one book. And he looked at it and he said, this can't be done in one. And it kept growing bigger because he said there's... Not only was there so much to wrap up, that Robert Jordan had created, he could not justify doing a disservice to the art that had been created in that series, which I'm sure we'll discuss when we get to there. But yeah, he, it, it's a great read. It's it's like the longest blog post I've ever come across. <laughs> it's Brandon Sanderson, like many fiction writer, fantasy writers, does not do brevity very well uh, when it comes to things <laughs> right. like that. But brevity is the soul of wit. Oh. <laughs> uh, I have, I have that a strange note. Yeah. Before we before we drive anyone else away. Oh, stop. It's Shakespeare. <laughs> Philistines. Um, yeah, so any final thoughts, last chance for final thoughts here? No, I, I think in an hour and eight minutes, I've pretty much said my piece. I, I know that there's a lot of little things. There's a yeah. ton of quotes and whatnot that we skipped over, and that's, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Yes, so far, super duper recommended for the right person. Yeah. Right, right. Go into it with your eyes open, but definitely, if this is your cup of tea, if, if you like um, high fantasy, heavy fiction. And if you're not into epic fantasy, read Mistborn first, then come back to this. I promise you, because that was me. I was not into books like this, and 
Then I read Mistborn, and now I'm into this book. It now is he so reads. Good. So Ken, Ken just likes having friends, and so he'll read whatever <laughs> I, we want him to. I like reading books without pictures. All right, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do one thing here because I like having something to hold over your heads. Um, oh, I it. hate it when you do this. <laughs> Predictions. I'm gonna give each of you a character, and I want you. I, I know for a couple of you this isn't quite as fair because you've read forward a little bit, um, but give me a prediction. Um, Ken, give me a prediction about what's what's going on with Kaladin. Uh, Todd, you give me Dalinar. You give me Shalon. Since That's a good favorite. choice. Yeah, it's a good choice. Kaladin is... I'm trying to decide how much I can say because I've read just a little bit into Section 3, but or into Part 3. But it, it's been shown a couple of times in, in Section 2, but Kaladin is a surge binder. There, there have been several times in Section 2 and Part 2 where he has been given spheres and then he's given them back and they have been done. They have been devoid of, of stormlight. Mm-hmm. And there are things that he can do where arrows miss him, where things he can just do things with the spear, for example. Kaladin is a surge bind. I think that I think that that's a, a good prediction. I don't think you're jumping very far from the ledge on that one, though. <laughs> um, okay, Todd Dalinar. What's he's got his visions? What do you think is going to be going on with Dalinar in the near future? He has another vision where he is told you cannot unite them if you abdicate. And just before he makes the final announcement, he tells everybody, I'm going to abdicate, I'm going to abdicate, I'm going to abdicate. Oops, I've changed my mind. Okay. And Craig, what do you think is going to be going on with Shallan? Uh, Shallan is going to, she's got to go to the Shattered Plains. Mm-hmm. And she's got to, there's got to be a romantic storyline somewhere, even if it's not followed through on even if it's not a a successful romance so to speak she is going to either hook up with uh, hook up with whatever kaladin or adolin or adolin's little brother renarin renarin or both or how about elokar a love triangle Mm. elokar 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 has a wife does he oh yeah yeah there's a queen back in elokar that's true never mind we don't know we literally know nothing about what's going on back in elokar forget i said that Done. Done. Okay. All right. Let's wrap it up. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you've gotten this far, then I'll just give it to you one more time. The word of the day is run. So keep track of that and uh, and listen in over the next few weeks (laughs) as we finish up the Way of Kings. Uh, A huge thanks to everyone who is is listening and reading along with us. And a big thanks to Brandon Sanderson himself for signing a book so that we could give that away. We appreciate his help with that. Uh, Good job on practicing his signature, Craig. Uh, right. <laughs> Wait, All right. Is he listening again? <laughs> let's let's call it. Uh, so the next time that we meet for this subject, I hope it's next week. I'm gonna keep Todd awake forever until he finishes <laughs> sections three and four. And uh, I'm this podcast series brought to you by Coke Zero. <laughs> sections three and four will be next time. We will see you then. And in the meantime, run. Everybody. Everybody.